Today we are going over a part of the passage which we kind of we brushed through last week, and it's from Romans chapter three, verse twenty to twenty-five. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now, uh, it's one of the great gospel passages uh, of the whole of Scripture, and it's to the point where, as we said last week, we've had three chapters of the darkness of sin, and then Paul gets to this final point. No one is justified by works of the law. That means no one is righteous because they've done what is right all their lives, or even part of their lives. No one's righteous by that, okay? It is by grace we've been saved, not by works, so no one should boast. That's what Paul says in in Titus. If we have anything to boast in, it's the Lord. It's what he's done. And this righteousness of God has appeared apart from the law. In other words, the righteousness didn't come from our obedience to the law. Okay, so think of it like this. You have a child. Some of you have got children. Some of you had children. And you might say as you drop them off at school, be well behaved. Be good. Anyone ever said that to the children? Okay. And and what is in that is that your good behaviour, your obedience to the laws that I've taught you for the last seven years, will come if you do it well. It, It is in within your power to do what is good. So be good, right? And all will be well. Okay? Does that, does that make sense? That's what we mean by it, isn't it? Um, I'm just a bit lost here, but I'll get there. Um, the righteousness of God is within your strength to, re- to be, to achieve. <laughs> Excuse me, to achieve. So obey it. But what Paul says is now a righteousness from God has been manifested or made known or appeared apart from the law. So the full obedience of that child comes as a gift, not because they hear the law and then obey, because let's face it, what child ever done that, that you dropped off? Whatever child was good when you said be good. When you as a child and you was told to be good, were you ever good? Right. But now a pronouncement has been made about your righteousness. It comes, you are well behaved, not because you yourselves have behaved, because you haven't. It comes as a gift from God. I remember once when I was about, I would say about eight years old, and um, I, I wasn't always a terrible kid at Sunday school. But this one week we had this teacher, and I was a terrible kid. I, I talked over the top, you know. I was just naughty. I messed around. She's a nice lady. And, and uh, we finished the lesson and then 
we finished church and then we went down the street and we went to the local deli to get lunch. And lo and behold, she is behind the counter. She's serving <laughs> at the counter that day. And we walked in and I was feeling a bit embarrassed because I knew I'd been naughty. And then my dad says, oh, how was Derek in Sunday school? Was he well behaved today? <laughs> right, how, how would you be? Maybe, maybe it was a setup. I don't know. And she said, he's been very good. I remember that because I thought, what's going on here? Um, and Dad said, oh, that's good. Right? To me, it wasn't true. Look at my behaviour. All I've done is wrong. I disobeyed her at every point. I don't really know what was going on in that lady's mind. I deserve to tell off. I hope that, that that's not the case, probably, but the goodness, if she could say, He's been good because Christ has been good. Because he's received Christ's goodness. It's a pronouncement on me which in no way has come from my own behaviour. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, I have disobeyed constantly, but a righteousness has come which is not through the law because if it came through the law, all we have is punishment and death. But a pronouncement has come through Jesus Christ. You are fully righteous. You are good. Okay. Verse 22 says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. It comes when we hear and when we believe that Jesus took all of our sin, all of our disobedience, all of our rottenness, and he took the punishment for that and he gave us the gift of his righteousness. And we receive it when we actually have faith in that message. When we believe that message, we receive it. it. But our faith doesn't make it happen. Do you understand? What made it happen is Jesus' death for us. But we receive it when we, when we trust in it, when we believe in that. So, can you hear this? All of our lives, we have been constantly naughty and deliberately disobedient kids. Willful, spiteful, hateful and evil. Right? And we are pronounced perfectly righteous on the basis of what Jesus has done. And this righteousness has appeared from nowhere in us. Okay. Now I'll tell you another story. Uh, this is from a bit later in life. Uh, also about a Sunday school teacher, another one. But um, her name was Mrs. Sims. She was one of my favourite Sunday school teachers. And, um, and I wasn't a Christian yet. Now this story, I've got to understand this story. I didn't understand what she was saying for many years after this. And, until I, I came to faith. But she, it looked like she was going to die. She, she, was, she was old and she was sick. And I, I, I went to, around to visit her. And, um, and I thought I would encourage her with something which would... As a Sunday school teacher, you know, Sunday school teachers are all moral and everything like that. And I told her I had a girlfriend. And this girlfriend doesn't drink and doesn't smoke. Isn't that good? It's quite godly, really. And this lady, at the time, she was blind and she was laying there and she got so angry with me. I thought she was going to throttle me. Does that sound strange? And she said, I get that something, but it's nothing at all, really. And, and, and she went on in this, to say, are you thinking you'll impress me by obedience to the law? You, and, and, have you heard anything I've taught you over all these years? 
here I am. Yeah. And she, and she was into me because I didn't understand the gospel. And that was her anger. You haven't understood the gospel. You see, it's a righteousness doesn't come through the law. And if you start picking laws and aren't I good, I've obeyed this law and I've obeyed that law, you've missed the whole point. It is not a person who's not by outward obedience to the law a righteous person. Now, I'm really glad that Mrs. Sims actually got better. And later on, I became a Christian and I was able to go around and pray with her. And, uh, and, and also, she was someone who would never... She'd never let you go. She would, she would <clears throat> jab the knife in and say, no, that's not right. And what you're into now in Christianity, by the way, she would say, is that's not the whole point. You're, you're into this, talking about miracles and things like that. No, no, come back to Christ. Okay, that was just a side point. But I didn't understand that anger. And it's important for us to understand we are not saved by the works of the law. But as Christians, we continually slip back into that thought, yes, I'm saved by God, but then you start to think you deserve it by your own goodness and obedience. And the truth is we only ever live in the righteousness of God that's come to us through Jesus Christ. Do you understand that point I made? It's really important. You can put up your hand and say if you don't. Okay. For there is no distinction. Now that's the part Paul's been talking about. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, whether you're black or white or, or male or female or rich or poor or working class or upper class or from the slums or Jew or any other nationality. There is no distinction. Who's this, this salvation by faith come to? Everybody uh, who is in Christ. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now we've heard that so many times over the years and I was very surprised today to find that well, when I was sorry, planning for this that I actually learned something I didn't really know about it before so you probably all knew it but Paul's hammering again he says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God now the word fall short of is an important word so in Greek the word means to come too late to miss the mark through your own fault to fail to reach the mark to be excluded from to lack, to be less than, to be inferior in comparison to, to fail and to come short of. We've all done that. But the jarring thing about this, which I learned, is that he uses the present continuous tense. Now, what that means is, for all have sinned and are constantly falling short of the glory of God. He's talking to believers. We are all constantly falling short of the glory of God. Now, if you look at God's character in his perfection and his moral glory and everything he is, obviously we're always falling short, aren't we? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why is this important? Because we need Christ every day, don't we? We need this justification by faith, this right. Excuse me. Righteousness that's come through Jesus Christ all the time. It's all we ever have. It's all we need. And the glory of God, we have fallen short of his glorious character. And God is glory, glorious, isn't he? He is perfectly loving, isn't he? We are not perfectly loving, are we? We fall short of that love all the time. 
He is incredibly patient. Put up your hand if you're always patient. All right. He is... All right. God is slow to anger. I'm talking to Christians here. Aren't we, aren't we, we've all got it, haven't we? How many of us are slow to anger? How long does it take us to get angry? Have you ever... Bang! Going along, completely calm. One little thing happens, I'm angry. Yeah, okay. Do you understand? We fall short of the glory of God. Jesus did not fall short of the glory of God. Ever. He was perfectly in character with God. Now, God's glory, understand what I'm saying here, is God's glory is in his character. It's who he is. God is glorious. Jesus never fell short. So uh, Hebrews 1 verse uh, 2 says, In these last days God has spoken to us through his Son, that's Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He created the world through Jesus. He, that's Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he, that's Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power, After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Jesus is the exact image of God. He is glorious in every way as a man. Okay, Jesus had the full glory of the Father. He said, if you've seen me, sorry, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's right. And that is the glory that comes to us as a gift of God. Because we of ourselves always fall short of the glory of God. But the glory of God comes to us as a gift. Now this is actually um, uh, one of the commentaries I was reading. He said it, it is a, it's a great misunderstanding of the modern church. And it is in a lot of people we know. Because they will say we have all of the glory of God now. Okay. And they'll use a verse such as uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says we... And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, or from glory to glory. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, in saying that, what what that says, we have all the glory of God now, which is not what that verse is saying, by the way, because it says we are being transformed. In other words, we are moving towards it. We haven't got it all yet now. And it also says this, It comes from the Lord. It's not our glory. We have a relative glory, but God is the only glorious one. And when you get to heaven, you will be full of glory because you will be restored to the image of God as you are made to be. But that is actually a future event. Now this, like I was reading, his name's Cranfield. I don't know what his first name is. C-E-B, that's his initials. So we'll call him C. Um, he said this he said that, that uh, when he's talking about all fall short of the glory of God he said they clearly imply that all that not only all other men but also all believers still lack this glory of God attempts to soften this or explain this away have, disa- have the disastrous effect of obscuring the transcendent majesty of the glory which is yet to be ours. Now, what he's saying this is, 
It is disastrous. That's a huge word. Disastrous if we think we have all the glory now. And we don't look forward to what we will yet be. Why is that so disastrous? Because we'll be the kings in our own kingdom now. We will be building our own kingdom and our own glory on earth right now. Do you understand? But we don't. We look forward to a future glory that we're being transformed towards. And on that day, we will receive it fully. But we don't have it now. It, because it is disastrous if we have it now because we'll become idolatrous and self-centred and, and glorious in our own eyes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sorry to ask you like that, but it's really, it's re- it's really important. And I, w- I encourage you to go home and think about that. Why is it disastrous to think that we have all the glory now? Because we'll have a pathetic fallen glory, a half-baked glory. And we will be focused on our own image and what people think of us and our own little kingdom. You know when you're falling into this, when you say this thing, which we all say at times. Okay, this is when this is when you are replacing God's glory with a deficient fallen glory. You say this, right? I want to be known as the person that fill in the gap there. What do people say? I want to be known as the person who is wise, successful, funny. Yeah, I want to be known as the one with a quick thinking mind. I want to be known as the one who who is strong, who is seventy years old and beautiful still. Um, what what it is, you see, is whatever we feel that oh, we can do as a church. It's idolatrous as a church. If we, we want to be known as the church that. Yeah, what the problem is, you see. What we add into that is our definition of glory. A glorious person would be, if I'm I'm that funny, wise, strong, productive, faithful, successful preacher, and you you can be successful listeners, of course, as you bask in my glory, overflowing onto you. Do, Do you understand what I'm saying? The glory is a glory that comes through Christ and the righteousness of Christ that is not our own. Because when we take on that view of human glory, life becomes, you ready for this? Cosmetic. Now, I'm not having a go at cosmetic industry, but it becomes cosmetic. Cosmetic is about makeup and cover up. Okay, what do you, you cover up. Your deficiencies, yeah, and uh, and so that comes like I'm, my, here I am. I'm this person. I want to be known as the person who is always happy, right? When I come into the room, it lights up. Yep. So what am I going to cover up? I'm going to cover up my times of depression because I have. I'm going to cover up my times where I'm sad. And those times when I'm grumpy, you see, you've got to cover it up. Life becomes cosmetic. Because I want to be known as a happy person. And eventually, just one day when I'm being in the room and this happy person, someone says, I just break. But, you see, it becomes a cover-up because I'm trying to make my own glory 
Because the glory that has come to us through Christ and is coming to us is not enough. And we try and make up ourselves to the norm. Okay? As also is defined by our own glory. So we want to be the normal person, well, a little bit above the normal person. So, so we are always making up stuff. Glory. Attempting to, to receive, to get a false glory. But you see, it's not the glory of God. It's a, it's a replacement for the glory of God. Now, the question you can say is, how much of our lives do we spend on cosmetics? On covering up and making up? And the answer is, in this world, people spend of their money and their energy and their time an enormous amount of time doing the cosmetics to create their own glory. That we always fall short of the glory of God. Because the glory of God comes to us through Jesus Christ and through no other way. Not by us trying to be that person who doesn't drink and smoke and, and, and be good on the, on the righteous one. It comes to us through Jesus. We are, as verse 24 says, justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And if we know that, we don't need to spend that, our time doing cosmetics anymore. I'll say it again. I'm not talking about foundation and eyeliner. Right? I'm talking about the fact that Christians spend, all people, but Christians can easily be involved in, in propping up a glory which is a false and fallen glory. If we could drop all of that and just have faith in Jesus Christ, and if we could see that we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemptions in Christ Jesus, if we could do that, we would be set free. From the slavery of ourselves and the slavery of a world that is always trying to say, shouldn't you cover up that? Shouldn't you make up to a standard? We are justified through Jesus, which means our character is perfectly in line with God's character through Jesus. Through Jesus, yeah? We are redeemed, that means we are brought back to God, to the glorious status in his eyes of what we were meant to be, beloved children of God, through Jesus, not through obeying the law. And we talked, I'm not going to talk about propitiation this week, we did that last week. But it means that Jesus has taken the righteous anger of God against our sin so that we can know we're no longer in danger of God's anger because Jesus has taken it all. So we can live with this promise, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, or I have loved you with an everlasting love. Through Jesus. You see, we will be set free from trying to... to, You see, that is glory. Living in Christ. Living in those promises which are awesome. You will receive a new body. There will be no more pain and suffering and tears. Yeah, you will have no more sin in your life when you get a new body. Do you hear that? That's a promise of God. That's the glory we look forward to. If we could live in that, we would live peaceful lives. Because when Michael walks past me and he looks at me at the corner of my eye and I think, what's he thinking? I don't know, who cares? 
as. Because anything I base what I think he might be thinking on will be my concept of glory. But if I don't care because all of my glory is found in Christ, I'm set free. That's, that's where there's no enslavement anymore under the earthly glories which drag us down and we're constantly covering up, hiding from. We await eagerly a glory. Galatians 5.5 5 says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. And it will come. Romans 8 says we wait patiently for this. When we have and when we live in the righteousness that comes to us as a gift by grace, we live at peace. Peace with God, because God's got nothing against us. And peace with ourselves, because we don't have to prop ourselves up to something which we can never achieve and which ends up being false anyway. Peace of being comfortable, not, you see, what the world says, just think hard and be comfortable with who you are. Ever tried that? Doesn't work really. You've got to actually get to the point where you say, I'm comfortable with who he is. Yeah? And with who he, and what he's done for me. Then you'll be at peace. You've been restored. And you are being restored and you're being transformed and we look forward to the day it will be fully, rele- fully revealed. But we don't have to strive for our own glory anymore. It's not about our glory. Yeah? I want to be known as that. <laughs> I'd love it if you talk more about this afterwards because uh, with each other. And, and if you think about it and pray about it and say, God exposed to me where I have just let small glory take over my whole mind and my heart and my character. And I just want the glory that's in you. Just, just think about it and pray about it and see where you let those things get in the way. Okay, I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you would reveal to us all that you've done for us through Jesus, that we might be set free from the slavery of our own glory which is very weak indeed I pray that you would expose to us those places where we want to be viewed by man even by ourselves where we put on that facade where we put on our cover up expose that that we might put it aside and see that everything we need and want would be in the justification that comes to us through Jesus, his son. I pray that all that we would want would be in him. I pray that your spirit would cause us to powerfully be set free from this reign of sin which we keep allowing back into our life as we fall short of your glory. I pray that you would expose that and set us free from it, that we might live in all the joy and fullness it is to be children who are yours. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.